Today on Sharp Scratch, you'll learn the secrets of true love, how being a new doctor affects your sex life, and whether it's even a good idea to date a medic in the first place. You're listening to Sharp Scratch, Episode 9, keeping your relationship alive when you become a doctor. This is a podcast brought to you by the BMJ and sponsored by Medical Protection, where a bunch of med students and guests discuss the thing that you need to know to be a good medical student or junior doctor, but that medical school won't really teach you. I'm Lauren Inez Mulder, and I'm the editorial scholar at the BMJ, and I'm a med student at the University of Cambridge. And joining me in the studio today is Jadera. Would you introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Jadera. I'm an F1, but soon to be F2 in literally two weeks in uh, northwest London. Um, I also blog, I do YouTube, and I do this also in my spare time. Great. And we're also delighted to have with us the wonderful Julia Bland in the studio this morning. Uh, I'm a consultant psychiatrist in psychotherapy, and I work here in BMA House part-time in a service called Doc Health, which offers all doctors um, a sort of six to eight sessions with a, with a medical psychotherapist. And we're here to talk about relationship this morning and some of the work that you do is to do with particularly with relationships, right? Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, I, I do uh, see couples when that seems that it's going to be useful um, and in, in, a, in another incarnation I see couples and families. Interesting. Mm. All right, well thank you so much for coming on today. I think we're going to have a really good time today. So today we're talking about relationships. Uh, so if you're a med student listening who is single and you reckon you'll be single when you graduate, then do sit tight because in the next episode we'll be talking about the dating lives of junior doctors. But this week the focus is on med students who are in relationships who are hoping to keep their relationships alive in that transition from being a med student to being a doctor. Becoming a doctor brings loads of new challenges to romantic relationships like shift work. You'll know all about that, Chidera. Yeah commutes, patient confidentiality, you know, where are those lines? So we're going to figure out how we can carry relationships through that transition. Um, and as part of that, we might talk about joint applications as well. Now, all this stuff is super relevant to me because I am in a relationship uh, with a non-medic at the moment, but I'll tell you a bit more about that in a bit. Just to kick off, are you guys interested? Do you guys know how many doctors are divorced? Do you want to have a guess? I thought more like 35, 40. I, really, I would expect doctors to be a little higher than that anyway. So I, I only have a, a number for the US. Okay. And this is from a 2015 BMJ paper that showed that doctors have a lower divorce rates really? than people in mm. other professions. So uh, that's like, for example, 24% of doctors were divorced in this, in this paper. Uh, and 27% of lawyers, for example, for comparison. That's really surprising. But I think the US might have slightly lower divorce rates than the UK? Do you know that, Julia? I don't know that, but I, I think that, that's, that, that the figures you're giving are probably related to a sort of self-selected group that become doctors who are responsible, stable, you know, I mean, in general, mm. very general terms. Mm. You know, um, and that probably pe- feeds into how they manage their relationships. Mm, true. Interesting. All right, OK, less, less grim than divorces, right? How many doctors are reckoning that they're going to marry another doctor? Oh, it's probably quite high. <laughs> I expect it's very high. Like have a guess, have a guess. 70%. What do you reckon, Julia? 40%. Whoa, Julia, that's like completely correct. So this Actually. is, again, it's from the, U- <laughs> again, from the US, and it's a, a survey by the American Medical Association of 5,000 doctors, and 40% of them 
reckon that they're likely to marry another physician or healthcare professional. Mm. Hmm. Mm. Well, that's fun. Jadara, do you reckon you're going to marry a doctor? Absolutely not. Um, I've had a very strict rule since I started dating that I was not going to date anybody else who was in the same field as me. Really? Really? Um, I just think, I mean, medicine, the NHS, everything is fairly all-encompassing. It's quite hard to have a life outside of that anyway. So I'm quite strict with maintaining parts of my life that have nothing to do with work and that make our areas that's very difficult to drag work into um, and that comes to always having a very large group of friends who are non-medics and also only ever dating non-medics I'm quite strict about it because I mean if you're sat with other medics you know how quickly chat turns to mm-hmm. medical stuff imagine that being your like home <laughs> life that's just that would be your entire home yeah. life have you ever been asked out by a medic and turned them down for that very reason I I, I I definitely friend zone <laughs> basically any medic that I meet like on site. <laughs> it's just I just it's just as a concept I find I find it really off putting. Um, and it's kind of the opposite for a lot of people. But I just I just think that's somewhere where I like I want to protect that part of my life from work. Yeah, fair enough. Hmm. So uh, so you are uh, you've mentioned your boyfriend on this podcast yeah. before. Uh, it first came up in episode one. I believe, <laughs> when we talked about night shifts. Yeah, is that right? Yeah. Um, so. Where, where's that relationship at? What's your guys' status? Um, so we've been together for four years now. Um, we met when we were both at uni, so I was a medical student and he did maths at Cambridge. Um, and that in itself was quite difficult because obviously he graduated before I did and then moved to London for work. I finally have now moved to London to meet him. And yeah, it's going really well. But obviously with my career, there are so many twists and potential turns particularly with location in mind and his job is not location flexible so but we haven't come to that hurdle yet but that's already something that we talk about a lot yeah Mm, fair enough I mean you've had night shifts as well and part of it so you've dealt with a lot of the challenges that are classic for F1 doctors and it it is really hard I think we both thought you know I'll move to London and it'll be we'll see each other so much more than we did when I was obviously living in a completely different city but I'm not sure we've actually managed to see each other that much more than before simply because I'm yeah, my shift pattern is awful and if I'm I'm also just very Aww. tired, mm. which I think is something that I didn't think about when I was at uni because even though I was working quite hard, I got to take the weekend off to be with him. Whereas if I'm working the weekend, if I'm working, you know, seven day weeks with yeah. multiple twelve hour shifts, even if I do have a day free, sometimes I just have admin to catch up and sometimes I just want to sit in the dark room by myself and Aww. not talk to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so that's oh, definitely man. something that I didn't plan for but I think I'm getting used to and trying to work around yeah fair enough just to clarify do you guys live together we don't live together Mm. and that's something that we want to do in the future and I think Mm. that would make a huge difference as well because I think that's a lot of just like not accidental quality time but you kind of get what what I mean that I think we don't have which I think we'd both really like yeah definitely so Mm. Julia from all your experience from your own personal experience of being a consultant psychiatrist in the NHS, from your experience in your work as a therapist. Um, What are the main problems that you see that doctors face when it comes to relationships? Well, it's an interesting question to even pose, I think, because there's obviously, well, there's a potential, isn't there, for blaming, as it were, blaming uh, or accounting for difficulties in a relationship because they are medical relationships or because Mm. one of the people is a medic Mm. so I think one has to be you know quite careful about that Um, in fact the reasons why people may be struggling may be for reasons that are sort of 
integral to the actual two people themselves yeah. rather than the situation. And I think, yeah. you, you know, you need to be very careful not to fall into either of those traps. Mm. All right, so what we're going to do for the rest of this episode is that we're going to listen to some stories from other people who've gotten in touch via Twitter. I spent quite a bit of time speaking to as many med students as I can who are in relationships, which has ended up in a couple of awkward situations. <laughs> um, the other week I was uh, playing a really fun outdoor summer sport and there was a, another player on the pitch who was really good. He was like super agile, running around, like just really impressive. Also like quite a team leader. Anyway, I... Uh, introduced myself so towards it sort of the end of the game that we were playing uh said oh i'm uh, good to meet you i'm laura by the way and he said oh i'm xx and i said and he said oh you're a med student aren't you and i was like yeah are you a med student and immediately my ears sort of pricked up i was like oh sharp scratch mode mm-hmm. and uh and he goes yeah yeah i'm in uh, i'm in final year and i was like oh final year are you in a relationship and he went yeah, I am. Sorry, and I was like, no, 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 no. Not, not like that. Have you, um, have you got any concerns and worries about the future of relationships? <laughs> I didn't exactly make it any better. Um, but anyway, lots of people I've spoken to have been quite chill and think, you know what, we'll get there when we get there. We'll make it work. You know, I'm not too worried. I reckon I back us to to make it work. You know, we've, we're quite chill about things. So a lot of people, you know, not not necessarily everyone I've spoken to has got worries and concerns, but a few people do, and I think it's really important to discuss them, get that in the open. I think about a lot of things myself, and so I, I find it really um, encouraging and to hear that other people are thinking about these concerns as well. So let's hear from the first one of the uh, stories that uh, I've collected. This is from Mikey, uh, and let's just let's just jump straight into it. Let's let him tell the story. Hi, my name is Michael Phillips. I'm a final year medical student uh, studying at Cambridge University, and I'm currently on my elective. Uh, in Dunedin, which is the south of the South Island of New Zealand, I've been with my uh, my girlfriend Julia. Uh, we've been dating nearly a year. Um, a year, roughly, when I get back from elective. So F one is obviously going to come with lots and lots of challenges. Um, obviously, you've got like the long hours, really antisocial. It's going to be really emotionally demanding, uh, very physically demanding. It's going to be stressful. Um, and you know, it also comes with challenges to your relationship. They're kind of tied into a lot of the kind of the general challenges of being an F1. So obviously, you know, it's stressful, it's emotionally demanding, it's gonna be really, really tough in terms of work. Um, which obviously, you know, if that's where lots of people lots of people get the support from their relationships, and obviously there's gonna be a change in dynamic there. So that that could potentially throw up uh, some challenges. But I think probably the the biggest challenge will be um, like the antisocial hours, the long hours, working weekends, um, and the fact that if we're not working, you know, because we're both medics, uh, there is a real chance of you know, rotors not matching up, and you know, one of us being off, one of us being at work, one of us being on nights, one of us working days, um, and I think that's that can be a huge challenge for you know two medics dating during F one and F two, and actually throughout their training, um, and the fact that quite often. You may not even be in the same part of the region or the same part of the country. Um, so you've got long distance and you could be off on completely different timetables. And I guess that kind of worries me um, going forward. Uh, it's something that we need to talk about. Um, but I guess I'd be interested to know how how people make it work, like F1s and F2s and registrars who've been through this have managed to do that. So 
So Jadera, does what Mikey was saying tie in with your own experience? Um, yeah, I think I can think of a lot of things that he said that really, not only to my experience, but as he was saying things, I was thinking of literally a number of my colleagues because our job does come with a lot of personal sacrifice. And when you're in a relationship or you have a family, those sacrifices can kind of spill over. So, I mean, he was talking about the hours and particularly with um, two different rotors with medics. And mm. I don't date a medic, but one of my very good friends, boyfriends is an F2 and she's an F1. Um, and when we started, we started on our, it was actually a fairly decent rotor, but he started on A&E when they first moved in together in mm. London. Um, and you can imagine, like, the overlap of free time was minimal. <laughs> oh. <laughs> because an A&E rotor, particularly as an, a foundation doctor, you're, like, if you ever see them, it's like a patchwork of colours and the empty boxes of sparse and very few and few, you know, very yeah. few and far between. And they don't come at the perfect time for you. They don't come, at, you know, on a Saturday. They can be, like, midday on a Wednesday. You have a block or whatever. So that was really difficult for them and then even with location I'm lucky at the moment that location is on issue but my registrar his family is based in East Anglia um, and he works in northwest London and he travels well over an hour to get in and out of work wow. and again that's a sacrifice that he's had to make because that's where his family's based and that's where they wanted to stay but also the best training position for him happened to be in London so I can just think of so many examples literally in the you know the group of people that I've met over mm. the last year where these are just constantly things that people are having to bear in mind when it comes to relationships that F1 F2 couple are they still together yeah they are oh, that's good have the rotors gotten for now have the rotors gotten kinder since then um yes um but uh, it's, I mean, it, it all just switches, doesn't it? Because it completely depends on what you do. And as a, particularly as a foundation doctor, you have to rotate through six different, or, well, I'm doing two of the same, but, you know, six different placements. And the rotors can really, really vary. And sometimes they can marry up really well. Um, so I think they've just gone on a holiday together. But other Good times... Good the word marry, by the way. Sorry. Oops, just... <laughs> <laughs> Clearly on the Britain, no, it's yeah. not, it's not. <laughs> um, but sometimes they really don't work well together. And I know for that first few months it was quite difficult because especially when you've just moved to a city and you're living with only one other person, if you're constantly not at work together, I think what people sometimes forget is that that means someone's always at home by themselves. Yeah, so Mikey was saying how he and Julia are sort of each other's main support at the moment and that how that might change a lot. And especially if they're, as you say, like on their own suddenly a lot more than they are now, that might suddenly be like just swept away from them. So... Julia, do you think the increased emotional burden of suddenly becoming a doctor could have a big impact on their relationship? I suppose so, but but I'm reluctant, as I said before, to kind of blame the situation for any difficulties in the relationship. I mean, after all, if you think of a couple with a baby, you know, they don't get any sleep, you know, or very little, they're both exhausted, they're both trying to work probably... Um, so I think the sort of stresses of being a junior doctor are very considerable, but mm. but both people have to know, you know, what they are letting themselves in for, I think, and, and then can be a bit realistic about cutting each other some slack about what it's going to be like. Sure. So how do you, how do you think that Mikey and Julia, for example, could make the most of the times they have together, or how do you think they can... Um, cope with that sort of change in emotional support that might be in their relationship what kind of tips might you give them well I suppose um, an obvious idea is to 
look for support with in other relationships as well you know hopefully they've got friends <laughs> as well as each other and um you know that and particularly maybe other friends who are doctors if the partner is not a doctor you know then they can they can talk to their medic friends about mm. because nobody I mean certainly we used to feel and I think I still do that nobody else really understands you know there's something about the experience of what we see in terms of people dying uh, or being born for that matter is mm. is so intense and uh, overwhelming if if you actually start to think about it uh, that it's quite often very nice to talk to another another medic mm. about experiences that you found particularly difficult. Mm, for sure. Um, so yes, other people. I think that would be one suggestion. And the other, I think, other thing would be lowering expectation. You what know, do you mean d- by that? I mean, don't expect your partner, who is also a medic, or yourself as a medic, to be even-tempered, welcoming, charming, delightful. Are you all listening you know, to <laughs> Sexy, you know, whatever. You know, actually, one doesn't necessarily feel like that at the end yeah. of a long shift mm. or a week of nights or whatever, yeah. That's really good. So we're going to hear another story from another medical student, um, but that will be right after this. How much do you care about indemnity right now? Probably not a lot. You're still a few years away from really worrying about claims and complaints from patients. But being part of medical protection is about a lot more than just indemnity. We can be there if something goes wrong, but we're also here to help make sure things go right too. We're the only medical defence organisation that protects doctors all over the world. From London to Brisbane, Cork to Cape Town, 300,000 members benefit from our expert advice and support throughout their career. During your years at medical school, your membership is completely free. You'll get training resources that can help you become an even better doctor, plus a dedicated student team there for you when you need it most. And when it comes to your elective, you can trust in our international experience to protect you wherever you choose to go. It's no wonder that 90% of medical students in the UK choose to be part of medical protection. You can find out more at medicalprotection.org. All right, back to the show. So we can't talk about medics dating medics without also talking about linked applications Mm -hmm. or joint applications. So I know you can do something similar in the US, but here in the UK, we call it linked applications when you fill in the form on the Foundation Programme Application System, or FPAS. Um, And it means that two people can apply as one single application uh, in the first round, so they'll be assigned to the same region, um, or they're not necessarily the same hospital. So... The facts in the UK are you can link with one person, anyone, for whatever reason. So you can also just link with your bestie. Oh, cool. Mm. And in the application form, one person invites the other person um, in the link. So absolute drama if one partner doesn't link you back. (laughs) Uh, You can apply for academic foundation programme at the same time as a linked normal FPAS application. But if you then accept an academic offer, you break the link. Okay. And you can only link with someone graduating at the same time as you. So if you're dating a medic in a different year group, you actually can't link, which seems quite tough. So jobs are given out according to rank. um, And in a linked application, the pair apply with the rank of the lowest scoring person. And that's actually a situation that Becky and Richard found themselves in. So let's listen to Richard's story now.
Um, so, Julia, what were you thinking when you were listening to Richard's story? Well, I suppose I was thinking of, about how testing all this is, really, and how there don't seem to be any guarantees that go... Well, there aren't any guarantees that go with a, a, a joined application. I suppose um, the reason they may be doing the lower... taking the lower... Um, score as it were grading that they because it would be unfair on other people if they took the top one mm. the people who are doing non-linked applications mm. presumably that's the reasoning yeah i can see that but it does sound a bit arbitrary and it's a pity that there can't perhaps be a bit more care taken about the geographical closeness um I mean, some of the deaneries were absolutely massive. A big part of why I didn't apply to South Thames, for example, is because you could end up in South London, but you could also be in Brighton or, you know, the very edge of Kent. So if you linked and you wound up in South Thames, you could still easily be living in literally different counties. It's um, the same for me. So, I'd, you know, I'm, I'm kind of hoping to stay in the Cambridge area. Uh, East Anglia is huge. East Anglia is huge, yeah. It's, mm. You know, Kings Lynn on the north co- coast, Ipswich on the east coast, as far down as, like, Stevenage and mm. so on. But then I also think, if you did wind up at the same hospital, would that necessarily be better? Oh, interesting. What do you mean? I just, I don't know. I think I'm very big on personal space. And I just, sure. if I was literally working at the same hospital, like imagine if you're on the same placements with your boyfriend. Mm. Mm. For me, that would be overkill. <laughs> I don't know, man. It might be quite nice to like be able to you know, have quick lunch breaks or whatever, or a quick coffee break, you know, just grab grab little precious bits of time here and there. Okay, yeah. maybe if you're in the same ward and so on, that might be a bit close. And I think know. I'm just, I, com- I compartmentalise my life quite a lot, mm. so I think I'd find that really stressful. Yeah. Mm. So how do you think sort of geographical distance impacts on a relationship, Julia? It's obviously snatched time, rather, uh, as you were s- suggesting, Jadira. You know, it's it, it mean, means that perhaps time is then very precious and that puts another pressure on the time that you are together if you don't meet very often. I've often heard this from people who are separated during the week and meet at the weekends. There's a great anticipation and build-up to a Friday night and then, you know, you get there and it's very nice and then you have a row. Um, and, um, you know, and, and some, of the, some of the row seems to emerge from the sort of tension of having, of being so pleased to meet each other that it puts a lot of expectation onto that that time together Mm. um and that can then actually be unhelpful Mm. i mean i know this is slightly different but when i was still at cambridge and my boyfriend was living in london and we saw each other at the weekend there was this pressure that when we saw each other we had to do something special all different yeah and actually if we did just you know because we were both tired wanted to just have a night in and maybe literally eat some pizza and watch a film you almost felt guilty yeah. Because you just thought, oh, are we really making the most out of mm. this one weekend in two or three that we get to see each other? And that pressure mm. was actually, I think, quite unhealthy because you feel like when you see each other, it has to be, you know, the best weekend of your lives mm. to make up mm. for the time you've had apart. And that's quite a lot to live up to repeatedly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I very much agree with that. And I think what I've come to realise is that being able to be ordinary is an achievement yeah. in itself, oh, actually. Yeah. And perhaps a lot of us are kind of cranked up to be special and different. Actually, to be able to be ordinary is a kind of maturity, I think. And mm. for you guys to be able to sit and watch your film is not a, a failure. It's yeah. actually a kind of mm. you're really attending to what you both need. Yeah, mm. that's quite wholesome. And Richard mentioned that he's had some feelings of guilt in this process. Uh, and it sounds like he and Becky have sort of worked things out and talked a lot about it and then sort of on the same page right now. But what would you advise to a different couple approaching this stage 
of considering linked applications where one partner might have guilt about their lower ranking and the other might have resentment or feel like they're being held held back by their partner. How can they sort of channel these feelings or work them out? What would you advise them? Well, I think they can only do what Richard and Becky did, which was to talk about them. I mean, you know, and feel that they can be reasonably open about how they feel and then bash on. I don't think there isn't a sort of magic formula for what to do, I don't think. Great. I like it when it's simple. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, if you if you don't feel that you can openly discuss that sort of thing, I don't think you should be linking your application with someone. Ooh, Personally. Salty. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go and hear our next story. So this is one from Katrina, who is a medical student who's dating someone who isn't a medical student. This story might link a bit more to the experience that the three of us have had, right? So, Jadari, yeah. you told us a bit about your boyfriend who studied mathematics. Uh, Julia, why don't you tell us a bit about your relationship? My husband has been a civil servant for many years and then went into industry and was a kind of director of a company, big mm. company. I was at Oxford with his sister. <laughs> that's how we met. So, anyway, th- th- I don't think that's very interesting or relevant, but I have got a story about... Uh, what he was like when I was a junior doctor, when I was actually doing what were then called house jobs. So you were you you met him before you became a junior doctor, yeah, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, we were um, we were engaged. Another sort of old-fashioned term, but anyway, <laughs> he was my fiance, and uh, at the point that I was doing uh, my first house job at at Guy's Hospital itself, um, and. Um, he, I remember one particular night when he came along, he brought my dog. I had a dog at the time, and he had to look after the dog whenever I was on call. And he had brought the dog to the doctor's mess. R- small room, single bed. 
and he hated dogs as well. And um, and then so we all climbed into this very. We we're all extremely uncomfortable, as you can imagine. Um, and uh, yeah, and I thought it was pretty heroic, but um, oh, it's sort of slightly true. gone down in the history of our relationship <laughs> about how tolerant and broad-minded he is. And, and and this sort of following around doctors' messes was no fun at all for for him. I remember one in Greenwich that just smelt horribly of tinned pineapple, which is not <laughs> one of my. And we just couldn't get rid of the smell. So um, anyway, yeah, I think long suffering is probably the word for many non. Very medical accurate. partners oh. actually yeah. i think tolerance is if you are going to date someone who's not a medic tolerance is probably the key characteristic mm. <laughs> for that of theirs yeah yes. that you should be looking yeah. for so I, I you know my brother once dated a medic and i said nelson what are you doing don't date medics gave him that advice he didn't take it but i don't think they're together anymore <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so I'm I'm also in a relationship. I've been with someone for four years. He's called Sean. He studies computer sciences. So for me, you know, I've been, you know, I reckon, you know, if we if we go for it after med school, then we'll really go for it. And but I've got a lot of questions and worries about what it'll be like. So to hear Katrina like saying some of the things that I've been thinking, she um, raised a lot of valid points. Mm. Yeah. So tell me what really resonated with you, Chidera. Um. So I think the thing about that sort of extra time that isn't built into the rotor. So as people who are going to be doctors, we all know that the time that's scheduled on the rotor is a kind of skeleton. And the actual mm. amount of time that you built, you spend at a hostel is kind of built in around that. So like I mentioned to you before, um, for the past week, I've been going in an hour early and, and leaving an hour late for extra projects that I've got on the side. Um, if there's an interesting surgery, then I will stay late. That sort of thing are the extras that a lot of people will do. Um, and on my last placement, which was a surgical placement, I actually sat down with one of the registrars and one of the um, SHOs who's um, buying a house, actually, with his girlfriend. And we had a bit of a chat about, because I think we're all dating non-medics. Yeah, we were mm. all dating non-medics. Mm. We were talking about essentially how do we make this work long term? Because my SHO um, was going for a very, very competitive uh, surgical place um, and was kind of saying, you know, my girlfriend's been very understanding this whole time, but I'm scared because I don't think things are actually going to get easier post getting the surgical post. Like he's in, you know, he was studying, preparing for an interview, but actually once he gets the post, he then has to do the post, which in itself is going to be very time consuming. Yeah. Um, and our registrar told us this story about um, a time that he, it was his wife's birthday. He had for weeks in advance been saying, you know, I'm going to leave work on time. We're going to go for dinner. That whole evening is going to be all about you. And then there'd been an emergency operation that had come in right at the end of his shifts and he needed to be there. Yeah. And it was that sort of situation which often happens in medicine where, where even though, you know, the politest thing to do is to let someone know because everything is so hectic and the next thing you know, you're scrubbed. He hadn't even been able to text his wife to say, oh, I'm going to be home late mm. um, eventually managed to convince one of the nurses to call her via his phone while he was still scrubbed in conversation and the first thing his wife said is how's the patient oh literally I was like that it was very so late on the yeah. shift and I was like I'm not crying <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that in itself just kind of highlights that like when I say that the characteristic that you need to look for the most in a partner is tolerance as selfish as it is my boyfriend is the most tolerant and selfless person I've ever met and I don't think our relationship would work unless he was just because on our side there's so much that we have to give that unfortunately takes away from us and takes away from the people that we are with. Do you ever feel like you struggle yourself with sort of feelings of guilt or disappointing him or letting him down? I do. 
especially because he is so nice. <laughs> so sometimes I wish he'd just yell. <laughs> but he's always like, oh, no, it's fine. I understand. It all makes sense. And I'm like, well, you can get angry too if you want to. I think we bring to relationships with non-medics a whole lot of uh, experiences and knowledge and sort of gripping stories about human nature. So I think we're quite fun to be with in many ways. <laughs> <laughs> fun if absent. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of what Katrina said about being concerned that he might not feel like he can talk to her about his mm. own problems or the things that he's going through because they're not life and death? Yeah, I thought that was a really good point. Yeah, um, I think that she used the word belittle, didn't she? And I think we can get into that, can't we? Thinking that what we do is so much more mm. important. Having realised that, Katrina's obviously going to be interested in what her partner is thinking about and fussing about. You know. mm. And mm. I think you do have to just make that extra effort because I've noticed that my boyfriend will do that himself. So he'll say, I'll say, you know, how's your day at work? And he'll say... And it, I've probably started the conversation already whining for the With, last hour about how uh, awful my day clearly was. Um, and, I say, and then I'll say, oh, but how was your day? And he's like, oh, it was nothing compared to yours. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have to make that effort to say, like, regardless of whether you think what's happened to you is important or not, it's important to me. The other thing we haven't touched on is children. Of course, <clears throat> Because yeah. obviously mm. if, if a medic does have... I mean, I, I didn't do surgery, which I loved, because I knew I wanted to have children, mm. and I thought mm. that was incompatible with one in two weekends. I mean, I don't think... But, but I was thinking about the partner, the non-medical partner. You know, if, you're, if one is going to have a punishing schedule, which most of us will have, that means that your partner's going to have to do more than their share as it were of mm. the domestic mm. side of things including the children yeah that um, is a really good point <clears throat> and I that. think you know that that's another thing that perhaps is worth thinking about so I feel like a lot of medics do have that sort of five-year plan we're always thinking <laughs> because we have a you know our job does have a lot of structure with regard to how you progress when that happens and what happens at each stage so I will say for example so I want to apply for national selection at this point in time I'm hoping my portfolio will be good enough that I can say in this region blah 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 blah. Um, do you find that maybe that's a pressure that medics put on themselves when they're dating particularly if they date non-medics with regard to having this sort of five or ten year plan of how their life is going to be because that's what our job forces us to do mm. Speaking personally, I think that the structure of medicine through medical school and actually further on, from a psychological point of view, is quite protective. Mm. I think there's something about <clears throat> the sort of, you know, the way that it, what happens each year, it can be a way for some people of actually avoiding thinking about who they are or what they actually want to do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, <clears throat> you agree My non-medic friends are sort of doing a lot of soul-searching, like what, what is right for me, what job mm. do I want to do? Whereas for us, it's kind of laid out in front of us what we do for the next 10 years. It could just be straightforward, right? Just yeah. jump through these hurdles and progress yeah. to the next, mm. next mm. stage. So I think that's a sort of double-edged sword. It's, mm. it's um, containing and predictable and not that it's not not that it's not difficult not that it's not difficult as you go through it but um <clears throat> but i think that 
are you thinking about the effect that that has on partners, that long-term yeah, plan? Yeah, because sometimes I say you know, to my boyfriend, I'm like, well, um, you know, I would like to be a senior registrar here and I'd love to have a consultant post in this sort of place. And that's literally like a good 13 years probably in the future. <laughs> and he's like, okay, okay, I haven't really thought that far forward. And I always find that really shocking when people say that. But <laughs> I can understand because if you're, if you're in a career or a field where jobs don't really work like that and you're kind of thinking about the next two to three years of course you haven't planned the next two decades of your life and then when you are saying things like well actually when I have children blah blah you can imagine especially if you're just starting out in a relationship how the other person would be so shocked <laughs> rather a turn off <laughs> yeah mm. so you're talking about really the difference yeah. in lengths of time conceptually yeah. that that we have from from non-medics mm. Mm. although you know if think about I don't know a banker or a journalist or something they could be sent abroad you know for a long time and so I think it can it can be the other way Mm. round it can be the doctor who's stuck in London the place you really want to be Mm. and Mm. and a partner has to decide on the basis of how they value their job uh, whether they stay in London with you for sake Mm. so I'm gonna hijack the episode with a few of my own questions okay. and concerns i'm gonna quick fire through them uh but before i go there just let me tell you guys listening how much we appreciate you and how much we appreciate you listening to sharp scratch we appreciate you so 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 much and we want you to know that so we've teamed up with on examination to give you a discount on all their question exam question banks so if you're not heard of it on examination is a question bank for medical exams So regular listeners will know that I swear by practice questions for revision. And personally, On Examination is my current fave question bank because it's got its own app that works really conveniently on my phone as well as my desktop. And now On Examination is giving us all a special sharp scratch discount of 15%. So if you're going for, say, medical student finals, then you'll pay less than £32 instead of £37 for access to a bank of over 4,000 questions in those critical last few months before your exams. The discounts are across all student exams and for those new docs listening, the MRCP part one as well. So head to the student section of onexamination.com, select your exam and enter SHARP SCRATCH, which is all caps, no spaces, at the checkout for a 15% discount. That's 15% off on examination with a promo code of SHARP SCRATCH, all caps, no spaces. All right, I'm going to take full advantage of me having some of your time, Julia, just to fire a bunch of questions, and you today, with your, like, personal exp- both of your personal experiences, because uh, I've got a bunch of questions that maybe haven't been raised by the people who've done some stories. So one of the things I think about coming up to the end of uni is the fact that I might spend way, way, way more of my waking hours with my junior doctor colleagues who will, you know, super get me and everything I'm going through way more hours with them than I will spend with my actual boyfriend. That's something I is that something you've found, Jadera, that... I mean, I, I feel like being a junior doctor is a little bit like going to boarding school. You, you, you develop really, really tight friendships over a short period of time because you're spending so much time with each other. Um, so that's true. You will end up spending far more time with your colleagues regardless of whether you like them or not than I mean, you that, probably will. And is that threatening to your actual relationship? I mean, well, that's, that's <coughs> what I'm wondering. Like, wait, could you end up sort of feeling a lot closer to, the, to your colleagues than you do to your, your partner? I don't know if close is the right word. It, it's a very different type of relationship and it's not necessarily a romantic one. It's just that 
you, you are close, but I, I don't think I found it threatening because maybe because I've always sought out non-medical partners. My relationships with my colleagues or other medical students oh, or regardless have always yeah. fulfilled a very different purpose in my life, if that's yeah. the right word, than yeah, the you one did with say my that. boyfriend. Super compartmentalised. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Julia? Um, <clears throat> I think there can be <clears throat> sorry temptations that present themselves in that situation uh, i'm not speaking from particularly personal experience but i think it, there's a danger to relationships between medics and non-medics that uh, the medic can feel it's only x who really understands me mm. and y will never really understand and therefore i get very um attracted to x and the other thing i think is that hospitals at night surgical theatres are actually very sort of hyper hyped up kind of places mm. which can be quite intoxicating you get a bit of what psychiatrists would call sort of hypomania going on in operating <laughs> theatres sometimes everyone's a bit <laughs> you know a bit up in a way which can possibly lead into relationships outside yeah. the, the relationship that... I guess it sort of gives having. you a sort of feeling of emotional intimacy, right? That can sort <clears> of, <throat> in your head, get muddled with hmm. romance. Is that... Yeah, but also, you know, I think sexual feelings can get uh, can get going in those sort of settings that are, mm. that are quite exciting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, so on that topic, I've got maybe quite a personal question. So do you guys ever find that long shifts night shifts things like that mean that perhaps you don't have sex with your partner as much as they'd perhaps like <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> and i are looking at each other thinking mm, who's going to <laughs> <laughs> um i think any form of intimacy is obviously less likely to take place if you're tired not even tired, but sometimes you just see stuff on shit on shifts, and you're just like, I don't want to, I don't know. Like, you know, you just do a particularly gruesome catheter, and you're like, you know what? I'm just gonna <laughs> back away for a bit. <laughs> um, so I, I guess, yeah, it can, yeah, working late, work, just being tired, being maybe a bit grumpy, maybe having something particularly disgusting that you can't really remove from the front of your head for a little bit can impact your intimate relationships. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a very good answer which will <laughs> for both of us. <laughs> okay, fine. I can take a hint. <laughs> All right, so here's another question. What if... So I'm already worried, you know, a bit about, you know, becoming a doctor. One thing that perhaps worries me is that I'll have a lot less waking hours, a lot less sort of time freedom mm-hmm. to maintain all the social relationships that I have at university. Mm. And so I've kind of got it in my head, preparing myself mentally that I might have to sort of keep close friendships with sort of a smaller network of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was sort of readying myself for that. And if that happens, I might resent my job a little bit because of that, like it might take it, you know, I might have to absorb that knock. But as I'm in a relationship, part of me is concerned that, you know, being in a relationship, you should put a minimum amount of time in. Like, if you if you think you really want to, you know, you should put the time in to make it work, right? And I'm concerned that some of that resentment that I might have against my job might I might also have against Sean. What is that something you guys have experienced? What what can I how can I prepare for that or or ready myself for that? I don't know. You mean time with him taking you away from the wider social network because you've got so little time exactly that, I've, got, I've got the yeah. secret fear that I'll end up with just one friend who's yeah. my boyfriend and that <laughs> for me is just not a bearable situation no I understand that I yeah. think my up 
big message on that would be yes, that f- that friendships, good friendships, are pretty robust, mm-hmm. and actually they can. Good friends can understand that you know you've got to be in Newcastle for the next three years or something. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to. And also with social media and skyping, and I think, and I think it, it it requires a certain amount of commitment. But yeah. I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to give up on a wider circle of friends. In fact, it's really important that you don't. All oh, right, that's yeah. really good. To and hear. I do think. I'm going to say as you get older, because obviously I'm super old at 25 now. But as you get older, friendships and relationships do change. <laughs> I'm 24 today. I'm literally, really not that I'm literally talking rubbish. But I, I feel like I've taken a knock now that I'm officially in my mid-20s. Um, but I, I will say that a lot of my friendships have changed because even though I do have primarily friends who are non-medics, most, I mean, we've gone from literally living next door to each other at uni. I mean, we in Cambridge, we live in halls for the whole time. So you, you are literally living with your friends for six years to being spread across the city, if not the country, if not the world. So you do just learn to be friends in slightly different ways. You don't see each other every day like you used to. But actually, when you see each other every few months, you just slot back into that, which is something that has happened a lot. And I'm very grateful for. Mm. Um, I do get what you mean about when you have a limited amount of time and you know that obviously you have to dedicate some of that to your relationship, you feel like you're cutting back. Um, I think there are incredi- like different ways of, inventive ways of dealing with that. So double dates, <laughs> dinner parties Ooh, are my favourite yeah, yeah. things because then I get to see like 10 people at once and I can tick that box for the month. <laughs> um, but also, it I, I think you'll be surprised at how many people in your life, regardless of whether they're medics or not, are doing similar things and it doesn't feel personal and it doesn't have as big an impact on friendships as you think it will I think you just just graduating and not being a student and having a work life in general will have that impact on most of you so it, it it's less specific to you than you think it is and actually it it just becomes a way of life where you're seeing everybody in general slightly less and you mm-hmm. will also learn to do things with your boyfriend that you wouldn't want to do as friends, not wouldn't want to do with friends, but like obviously you can just cook dinner and chill with your boyfriend and then with on the days where you have a bit more time to do like a, a proper dinner out or a night out, you might dedicate more of that time to friends as well because mm-hmm. that's, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, thanks so much. That's really reassuring to hear. So you two, what, what kind of top tips would you give to me and Sean for keeping our relationship alive when I graduate and become a doctor in a couple of years' time? Well, number one, relax and don't give yourselves too hard a time. Are you saying that I worry too much? <laughs> no. Uh, that There you're criticising yourself, you see. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, so, yeah, not cutting yourself some slack. Number two talking to each other about how you're both feeling and in particular as one of the interviewees said um, there's a danger of ignoring the needs of the partner who's not a medic in that kind of a relationship that that um, and you were saying Jadira about how you try to address that in in really making a point of listening to your boyfriend and not taking, oh, it doesn't matter for an answer. Yeah. And the third thing, I think, is is sort of actually taking quite a long-term view that if this relationship mm. is going to last really long for a really long time, then you're going to have to put up with some physical separation and, you know, find some ways of tolerating, both people tolerating that. So Sean and I should relax and cut ourselves some slack, listen to one another and be prepared 
for the things that might come up further on in the future. That's right. So what about you, Jadera, from your experience of being in a relationship whilst being a new doctor? Mm. What kind of tips have you learned that you could pass on to me for my future? Um, so I think, I mean, I'm not sure if this is the most healthy thing, but it's always worked for me to compartmentalise a little bit, um, particularly with trying to leave as much of work at work as I can when I'm seeing my boyfriend. Um, and as Julia said, um, empathy is very, very important. I think at the end of the day, as self-involved as you may become because of what you are dealing with, you're not the only person in a relationship who may have a difficult or bad day and it's important that you leave room for the other person to have emotional support from you because otherwise it can become very one-sided. Thanks guys. So that's all from us today. If you'd like to hear more from us, then subscribe to Sharp Scratch wherever you get your podcasts. And in two weeks' time, you'll get our next episode straight to your phone. And in the meantime, do check us out on social media. We're Student BMJ on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And let us know what you think about the podcast using the hashtag Sharp Scratch. And also keep an eye out for opportunities to get involved in the podcast. You know, you can be uh, perhaps be on a future episode like Mikey, like Richard, like Katrina. So just keep an eye out on those accounts to look for those opportunities. And it's also super helpful to us if you can leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, as it helps other med students find the show. We'd love to hear your ideas for what we could cover on later in the season. Next time, we'll be talking about dating as a new doctor. So whether you're looking to date or not, definitely just tune in for the awkward dating stories that we've collected for your enjoyment. Until then, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.